0: Welcome to Coastal Front. Join us each week as we sit down with the movers and shakers of Vancouver to discuss stories of business, politics, accomplishment, and failure. Our aim is to keep you dialed into what matters most in our city. Now, here's your host, Andrew Johns.
1: Great. Well, here we are with uh, Ed Quilty. Uh, founder and CEO of uh, Aquatic Informatics. I got that right, Ed. You got it right. You banged it. Yep. Great, man. Well, we play we play some beer league hockey together, and I know you mostly for your hacking skills and your uh, your grinding your wrist shot. Block shots. Yeah. Well, I, I know
0: you for your uh, hat trick and your legendary tweet without a shirt and yeah. holding the cup. It was, uh, it was a big moment this yeah, past year. Yeah, you know,
1: that, that Friday night hockey that we play is pretty... I wish there were more scouts in the stands, but... Uh. There should be. It's that quality for sure. It's, yeah. yeah. Uh, but look, we're, I have you here today because I want to talk about a, a topic that's really important to a lot of people. And I think you could probably, uh, you know, enlighten a lot of us because you work in the world of water. So, uh, so maybe start off by telling me a little bit about what is... Uh, aquatic informatics.
0: Yeah. So we're a software company um, and we manage water information across the entire water cycle. So really from raindrop through rivers, groundwater, um, through people, uh, factories, animals, farms, hydropower, and then back into the receiving environment. Usually along the way it's uh, polluted or consumed and then uh, cleaned up sometimes and put back into the, the environment. Okay. Yeah, so we collect. We've actually got customers in sixty countries. We've got two thousand customers. Wow. Many of them are municipalities or utilities who yeah. are mandated with managing, you know, drinking water, cleaning it up, making sure it's safe. Yeah, and um, and wastewater as well, making sure that the nasty bits that come out of factories and people and farms are cleaned up when they go
1: back into the environment. Yeah, that's
0: the intention, anyhow. Yeah.
1: Wow, that's really interesting. I you know I do a lot of business with municipalities across the country, and and I get the luxury of traveling across this country and. Um, I'm always amazed that with the um, amount of fresh water supply we, I believe, do have in Canada, where you hear these stories about some of these remote communities, uh, like there's that one, um, I forget the name of the, uh, the 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 Indigenous community up north la- last winter, and it came out that they were been boiling their water for like five years. How does that happen? Like, how, shouldn't they have access to fresh water?
0: Yeah, well, it's let uh, can imagine It's a complicated story. So they'll have access um, sometimes to fresh water, but it doesn't mean yeah. it's clean. And um, oh, so, yeah. there's a
1: difference between freshwater and clean water. Yeah, freshwater
0: is is basically um, what you would get in lakes and rivers. It's not, um, you know, salt water. Yeah. So uh, it, you know, um, if it wasn't polluted, it'd be uh, uh, perhaps safe or likely safe for human consumption. Yeah. But even in remote locations. You'll have, um, you might have heard, fecal coliforms uh, okay. is a term um, that is, um, you know, where you'll get bacteria from animal feces. So okay. it could be, you know, even a remote location, it could be a moose, it could be a bear, right. wolf, and that gets in the drinking water can be uh, quite dangerous, actually. Yeah.
1: Isn't it true that if you're out in the woods like that, or you're out in a back 40 if you're going to drink water you want to drink fast moving water versus slow is that i think it's a bit of a myth is you it? could just okay. have more the moose could be lucky. right upstream <laughs> yeah. from you
0: and it just happens flowing you know fast towards you so it's a bit of a a bit of hit and miss yeah and um you know generally we're quite fortunate in canada we do have um, great water sources but you know you'd be surprised some of the stats um so, of all the waste, you know, we generate a lot of wastewater, yeah. uh, um, like all you know parts of the world. Yeah. But in places like British Columbia, beautiful, pristine, you know, um, green BC, up to thirty percent of our wastewater goes back into the environment untreated, and then our kids are swimming in the water or getting it in their mouth, really? um, and it can be quite dangerous. So, well, and- you know,
1: that's amazing.
0: Yeah. 30%. Most people wouldn't know that. Yeah. In other parts of BC, it's actually, or other parts of Canada, it's much better. Like Ontario is more like 1% or 2%. No way. But if you think worldwide, there's some amazing stats. Like um, if you look at all the hospital beds right now in the world, uh-huh. if you're able to find out why people are in each of those hospital beds, half of them, 50% would be full if people are sick from water-related diseases
1: worldwide. Really? So it's a massive issue. And then if you add up, that's why they came into the hospitals because 50% yep. of them came yep. in because of some water yep. related issue. They, they, they got some sick somehow. Yeah. Through. Usually a
0: gastrointestinal disease. Mm-hmm. And if you're immunocompromised, which is usually children or elderly people. Yeah. Um, but you and I both have young kids We yeah. are two and five. Yeah. You've got three young kids. Yeah. Um, so every year, almost 2 million children die around the world from water related diseases. Wow. So as a parent, you can really relate to that, right? Yeah, that's yeah. really a motivating factor for me. You know, so what causes that? There's a lot of um, sources of water contamination, and when you see a stat like that, a lot of people think, "Well, that's you know, developing countries." That's yeah, not... that's Africa. Yeah, that's India. Exactly. China. Yeah. yeah, and it's true. Yeah. you know, it is. But it's also here. Like I said, even BC, 30% yeah. of our wastewater um, can go back into the environment. So worldwide, um, if you add up all the rivers in the world, you say think of like um, the Amazon, yeah. the Congo, the yeah. Nile, the Fraser here in BC, yeah. add up all the rivers in the world, times that by six, that's the amount of wastewater pouring into the environment uh, every year around the world. Really? We're drawn from aquifers, from groundwater and other areas. So it's a massive problem. And wow. 80, 80% of it worldwide is not treated. So 80%, 80%. Of,
1: of the water that goes back into the environment yes. is not, not treated, treated at all. So it'll it's have kind of laundry detergent and exactly sewage. So
0: raw sewage, which we talked about is yeah. quite dangerous. It could have, they still
1: do this in Victoria, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. You know, I grew up in, in my high school and university. Yeah. I went to, uh, UVic to UVic actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we were there at the same yeah. time. Yeah. And uh didn't you and I date the same girls? You know, well <laughs> I, I, I saw
0: you empty a keg into your <laughs> yeah, mouth at like, right. one one go. That was a good party. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly.
1: And uh, as I'd grown up there in high school, like you always knew who the tourists were down in Williams Beach because they were the ones in the water. Yeah. Because yeah, totally. any locals would be like, I'm not going in that water. That water is like full of sewage.
0: Yeah. No, it's right. a big problem. So it's um, you know, human waste, industrial waste, it can be have uh, like embalming fluids, it can have radioactive waste, anything called wow. in industries. 80%. Um, all sorts of cam- uh, pharmaceuticals. Yeah. Um, uh, lots of uh, nasty byproducts.
1: Yeah, I've always wondered about like I. My wife's uh, got a medical background, so she's always made a point of making sure any any extra medicines and things we we take it back to like the like unwanted yeah. drugs. Yeah, exactly. To, to try and have it disposed of properly, because imagine if people just throw their pills in the toilet, you know and that gets down into the water system and it's gonna do yeah. something to the
0: Yeah, and, and the uh, wastewater treatment pa- plants aren't really designed for um, you know, taking that out before it goes back in the drinking right. water. So that's part of our business actually. Um, you know, if I if I kind of back up where I started. Yeah. Um, so I uh, I started as a stream ecologist. I worked for BC Environment for the Pollution Prevention Branch. I worked with Environment Canada. Um, and uh, really studying water across all water we 're doing marine studies around pulp mills yeah. and other polluting sources. did you have a pa-
1: passion started to interrupt but did you have a passion for this before you got out of school? Like you were obviously going this direction in university, but was there something that kind of inspired you to get into this particular space yeah well, failure I, failure huh. inspired
0: me so uh, <laughs> or bad luck maybe is better so I was uh, so I, as I mentioned, I was at Uvic did yeah. undergrad I did biology there. Um, my first work term was at a fish hatchery where basically vacuumed fish poop for four months in the pouring rain. So that <laughs> where was, was that? Uh, it was in uh, Sayward, like northern Can- or northern Vancouver Island, yeah, near Campbell River, yeah, yeah, Big Tree Creek Hatchery, yeah. uh, and uh, that was good. It was a good, good experience. So it was my first sort of exposure. One, and then I worked for the. Um, uh, the province for the Fish and Wildlife Branch got to, you know, hike into lakes and see what was in them, what was the quality of water, what were the species, uh, were they good, you know, fishing, you know, lake for recreational fishing. And the, really the reason was to look at whether uh, they could uh, do logging right up to the lake or not. Oh, wow. Um, but I kind of fell into it, like almost everyone in, uh, in undergrad, most people wanted to do marine biology and study whales or yeah. – fuzzy, mammals, and those were all the really good jobs, and I actually had a good job lined up on that first work term, where I um, was going to um, uh, track elk, so that was kind of the dream job. That's more what I had in mind when I came out of high school, went to university, and that job fell through with about a week before the work term started, so I ended up at the fish hatchery, vacuum (laughs) out fish poop, and that was the beginning of my water career, and then, like I said, I went to the fish and wildlife branch and got more into fisheries and water quality, and then... A similar thing happened, um, I think it was my in my uh, third year. Uh job fell through, um, and the only job left was one up in the Kootenays that nobody would, it seemed no one would take. It was not a, a popular job. You're basically looking at acid mine drainage. So at the time, in Kimberley, uh, in the Kootenays there, I've yeah. got a big Kamiko uh, mine there. Um, so the job was to basically take water samples downstream of the mine and look at the impacts and it was so fascinating to see really what the impacts were at the time yeah and uh it's
1: an aluminum mine right
0: um yeah copper lead zinc i think if i I remember correctly and um yeah it was just fascinating so i really got hooked there and it was a bit of luck uh um like you know you you really don't go into the environment business or in water if you want to have a you know um, make a lot of money you know there's yeah. obviously other measures of success but to make money that's not where you go as a yeah. environmentalist and if if you did see me at uvic i would have had a beard a MAC jacket birkenstocks on <laughs> long hair ponytail like you know you
1: yeah you'd be hard to identify yeah i would different you, you different than i look you, now yeah you'd fit you'd fit in with everybody else <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs>
0: um yeah so it was uh um yeah i was passionate environmentalist but wasn't thinking you know about you know, 25 years later having a software company was n- yeah. not on my mind. Yeah, it's but wild. again, a bit of an opportunity as we were looking at um, impacts of industry in in uh, the Kootenays, um, there was a new emerging technology coming out where you'd measure water quality continuously using these sensors. So typically you would go out and you take a bottle and you take a sample and send it to yeah. the laboratory and get the results back weeks later. And you'd yeah. only take maybe a few samples a year, maybe more, but usually not more than maybe once a week or a month. Okay. Um, but what it it happened while I was on this work term? Pure chance. Um, there was a, a very um, um, proactive group down there that was fairly innovative uh, for BC Environment. A fellow named Les McDonald was a pollution prevention biologist there. And they had ordered in the sensor that measures um, water quality continuously. So instead of sending the sample to the lab... Uh, you can just put a sensor in the river, and it just measures things like pH, temperature, dissolved oxygen, continuously.
1: Did this person actually build this equipment, or was it built? No, they purchased it. Okay,
0: um, and it was a technology that was emerging because it's, it's hard to put really sensitive electronics into a into a river that freezes over, has boulders running down, and it you know if you've ever waded across a, yeah. a river, it's it's not a gentle environment. Yeah. Um, so it was, so I got my a chance to install these sensors and play with them. And um, it was a pretty unique experience. I was like, well, wow, this is really going to change the way, um, you know, people study water and study the environment. Um, you know, it's sort of the equivalent of having an EKG yeah. in the river, continuously monitoring right. versus going to the doctor once every two years. You know, it's really yeah, different. Sure. Or it's like a smartwatch,
1: you know, measuring yeah, your health. absolutely. Instead of, you know, once a week checking your pulse when you woke up yeah. in the morning, now you've got these smart devices yeah. that are constantly monitoring your... Exactly. So I was
0: really excited by this. So this is going to be, uh, you know, having uh, been through a number of uh, these different roles and always finding hard, we just could never collect enough information. You know, if people are, you know, withdrawing pollution in the middle of the night, we're probably as government workers, we weren't out working or Christmas Eve. Yeah. So it was hard to track down. And it, you know, it's a uh, live in Canada. It's a big environment. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of space. So if you want to take a sample you my drive, five or six hours for one sample. Right. Um, or take a helicopter. So this was, I thought would be a game changer. Um, so that led me down the path as like, this is exciting. So I got really, um, you know, into installing these sensors, researching them, I actually went, took a year off and backpacked around the world. Yeah. Uh, which actually we'll come back to that later, actually yeah. how it impacted our business later but came back and got a job here in the Lower Mainland um, at the BC Environment Office in Surrey, helping manage this program. We are looking at the time the impacts of, I don't know if you remember, Forest Renewal BC program.
1: Forest Renewal BC? Yeah, mm-hmm. this was
0: sort of in the okay. mid-90s where there was a bunch of uh, um, uh, forest dumpage um, fees were set aside to... Oh, I remember this, yeah. Yeah, yeah. to retrain people, to do yes. uh, remediation, and, yeah. you know, environmental uh, remediation, et cetera, rehab. Yeah. And uh, so I helped manage a project there. Uh, I was pretty young, but I got that job because I had this unique experience. Okay. And they were going to start using these sensors more. Yeah. So you started uh, installing those and getting more and more and more information. And so you got, remember before. What year is this roughly? This is 95. Okay. Um, So even
1: though you get collecting real time information, it's probably because you didn't even have the internet at that point. Yeah. You're probably still having to go back and grab the data, right? Exactly. But your data. yeah, log is much much longer
0: yeah so exactly so there we we did actually get data through two ways one the more traditional way or the way we typically did it was we'd go out uh to the site and hook up to the computer on the stream it's so a data logger and download all the data that had been collected since we were last there It was usually four to six weeks we'd go out so we right. have to clean the sensors collect and, and download the data and then we take that back to the office and try and process it um but we, for some sites, it was quite expensive at the time. We could hook it up to like uh, radio telemetry and get the data coming back to the office live through modems and all the yeah. old kind of yeah, technology used to use. and the, um, so the really important sites we would hook it up so we could get a live feed. But it was, it was really expensive. Um, but to, in either case, we'd get the data back. And you know, at the time when I came out of you know undergrad and was doing more. Or fisheries work environmental. If you had like thirty samples, that was a, you know, a nice data set, statistically significant perhaps. Yeah. You could start drawing trends. Now we're getting in thirty thousand samples every
1: year, you know, from these sites. Uh, so or more. Um and, and now I'm assuming in two thousand nineteen, you know, it's probably mostly real time data. Yeah. This is IoT like, now. This is right. the Internet yeah. of Things, yeah, this is big to... data. And yeah, this is get... the early
0: this you know, the beginning of that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. So I kind of stumbled into it. Um, uh, Started installing these sensors, trying to process the data, and said, you know, with my background with small data sets, I don't know how to process this data. We're just overwhelmed. We could not scale what we were doing. There's just too much data. This is like the... Data rich, information poor. Yeah. Like, we could not. And your background keep up. is
1: not computing yeah.
0: science, so to speak. It's. it's I good. used to vacuum fish poop. <laughs> like, that's my background, right? And so that was a bit of a stretch. So I was like, well, I'm really passionate about this and I want to figure out how to solve this. So I actually went back to grad school to start a PhD at UBC. Okay. Uh, studying um, geophysics and electrical engineering type courses that. Um, you know, those are the, were the smart people who were used to processing high-frequency data, yeah. continuous data sets, used different, different tools, completely different techniques. Um, so that's where I went back to learn sort of how to process the data. It wasn't… And had
1: you already started aquatic informatics at that no. point?
0: Okay. I was, yeah, had just finished working for the the province. Yeah. And then I started my own consulting firm… Uh, when I was inst- installing the sensors and managed them, called okay. QA Environmental. Yeah. From that, went back to UBC, and uh, from that PhD work, spent out aquatic <coughs> informatics. Okay, and so the um, you know the the goal was really to go back and figure out how to process it. I was just really curious. It wasn't to start a company. Um, it wasn't because I wanted to have a PhD and
1: yeah. teach or anything. Yeah. Was you I were just, just really passionate about. Yeah this this little world you were in yeah it was like
0: an itch i couldn't scratch like i just really wanted to figure out what was going on in the environment and it came from the environmental background i was just i was like we're going to be able to figure out what's causing the problems yeah um and so from that spun out aquatic informatics in 2003 okay and some of the smarter kids i met at university who ended up doing a lot of my phd work for me (laughs) and (laughs) um they uh you know, when I started the company, the first guys I hired and we took off from there and, and there was a lot of luck along the way. So that started in 2003. There was, um, you know, I think we started three of us. we got a bunch of, uh, grants from the federal government. IRAP grants. Yeah. Industrial research assistance program from the national research council and kind of scrapped it together for the first year or two. And, uh, we, um, you know, I didn't do, I made all the classic mistakes. I, didn't do market research. Yeah. You know, I, there there were some solutions out there, not in Canada, not in BC, but, you know, if I had searched much wider, I might not have started the company, maybe. Yeah. Um, but uh, um, I just had to keep going. Yeah. And so we started processing data and uh, started selling the software to other um, um, uh, biologists, uh, scientists that were working in, in BC mostly. Yeah. And um, the uh, uh, B.C. Ministry of Environment, which was called at the time, uh, was very supportive um, and, uh, you know, allowed their offices to start using and gave us good feedback. Um, And then we kind of got lucky. I I joined the Canadian Water Resources Association, um, uh, the B.C. branch, and we uh, helped organize a conference here in Vancouver. We invited experts on this automated monitoring, automated water quality monitoring in particular um, from the US and and Canada. And we had some some really big names actually showed up, uh, even though it was a small conference, but it was very niche sort of space. And um, we were introduced to one of the fellows, David Breyer was uh, with the US Geological Survey. Now they're the world's largest water monitoring agency. They manage the entire US national water information system. Really? So millions of sites, billions of data points um, for flood forecasting, for irrigation, for drinking water, you you name it, um, groundwater and surface water. So David Breyer was here, and he'd mentioned that they were going to bid for a particular modeling toolbox. Um, It was for converting water level into discharge or or flow. And he said, oh, you guys uh, look like you're doing some you know, cool stuff. You should look to bid on this. So we did. And, uh, you know, it was a real stretch. There was like four of us at the time. And this is the world's largest monitoring agency. And honestly, yeah. my logic <laughs> at the time was, you know, when we're a real company, they might recognize it. You know, right. let's say five years from now, they might recognize <laughs> it. So long story short. Get our
1: name out there now. And totally. And five years, though, maybe we'll be able to win some business. Yeah,
0: yeah. And we weren't even thinking, you know, we were really just doing work in BC at the time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's a long story goes with that. But we ended up winning the project. And this is the classic startup. There's uh four- I remember the
1: guys in the team talking about this. Was this about six, seven years ago?
0: No, this was in uh this is in two thousand five. Two thousand five. There's okay, another so ten- big transaction yeah. that okay. happened at that time yeah. that to that, uh, the guys in the dress, like hockey dressing we we're yeah. talking about. So anyhow, they they were smart though. Like for reasons that are unknown to us, they, they awarded the contract to us. Um but they said, Okay, we will pay you guys once you deliver and you passed all the testing. It was a really complex project, right um, and a lot at stake like for the for the u s this is how they um, uh, accurately determine how much water is in a river. so if you think of like the Colorado River and other rivers under high pressure, uh, every drop counts like every inch can be worth millions, and millions of dollars. so to depend on this little Vancouver company was quite amazing to us yeah um, so myself and these smart guys I met at university. Um, Taraj was our chief chief scientist, and Pete Hudson, um, who was an undergrad at the uh, at the time, we just knocked it out of the park. Really, when I say we, they did. They yeah. totally nailed it. So we delivered. The USGS was happy, and that started a you know a multi-year project with them. That was 2005 to 2010, where we just managed that. And in the meantime, we started growing our business. Um, you know, it's hard for a little Vancouver company uh, to get global. And like I mentioned, uh, we're, we're in 60 countries now. Mm. Um, it's amazing. That was the first step was to win this big project. And then actually, we started, um, being more successful in Canada. Now that we have this endorsement really unofficial yeah, sure. endorsement by yeah. the, the U S Geological Survey, um, we ended up winning a, a big project for the Canadian national system yeah. that managed actually connecting to all those sensors and managing all the data. And we had uh, um province of British Columbia yeah. and other other provinces and started getting states in the U.S. and other agencies. So it started kind of getting bigger and bigger. And then-
1: It's kind of ironic that you have to almost build a reputation internationally first yeah. to win some business back home. It's the classic, it's a, yeah. It, Oh yeah, I've, I've seen it myself. I've had it happen myself because yeah. it's almost like uh, in the same theme of you just mentioned about how does a small little Vancouver company become this you know well globally recognized organization. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of other people who go, oh, they're based in Vancouver. They're, da- they're four blocks down the street, and yeah. we should be awarding this to some, you know, New York-based company or somebody yeah. from Paris or... Yeah, exactly. You know, well, yeah.
0: we're still chasing down some local customers. That yeah, they're well, waiting for us to be the real thing, you yeah. know. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, so it, it took off, and then, the, and then I think the another, deal that yeah. th- they were talking about in the dressing room there was, um, so after uh, a pretty long record of success with the U.S. Geological Survey, I keep on mentioning because they are the biggest agency like this in yeah. the world, um, then uh, we won a follow-on contract to manage the entire, uh, all the data behind the U.S. National Water Information System. So uh, although it's hosted in, um, in their private cloud, um, they host it it 's our software that 's connecting to all their sensors it 's managing all their lab samples wow. all their field notes it 's just it 's a massive system like I said uh, hundreds of billions of data points um, and you know every you know every fifteen minutes we 're collect connecting to thousands and thousands of sensors these real time uh, water level and water quality sensors.
1: All uh, across the nation, all across, all the, across the U.S. And
0: yeah. bring it to a centralized area. They had originally had uh, 45 different data centers, kind of headed sort of almost one per state, and now it's all centralized locally. We connect it within one minute, uh, connect all the sensors uh, through telemetry, pull it in, compress it in a database, run derivations on it, basically you know run it through models, converting water level to discharge and things like uh, turbidity to sediment which is uh you know sort of how how much uh uh how cloudy the water is how much how dirty it is um all within a minute and it's a it's an amazing it truly is an iot internet of things big data yeah um and so yeah and we've carried that success on so then kind of finishing the sort of getting closer to now so we had you know really came to a spot a few years ago i was like well this is the biggest system in the world for these environmental data sets um, and it's really in the source water and receiving farm, but there's all this stuff happening where, um, people are living in the cities, uh, in particular, and I want to get in there. And so we, um, um, uh, ended up having meetings with a private equity firm out of Toronto called XPP water partners. They're the world's biggest, uh, private firm just focused on water. They're really? about a half a billion dollar fund. Wow. Um, and, uh we sat down and kind of talked about where we wanted to go and it seemed to be a really good corporate or cultural fit. And, uh, then we did a deal, uh, where they, um, bought out all the shares for all my hockey buddies that had invested in early (laughs) days. Uh, um, very risky bet probably at the time. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, and uh so they um bought them out and brought in some growth equity and we acquired um uh, a couple of companies, Water Tracks and Lincoln. So Water Tracks is focused on drinking w- water Water Tracks. Water tracks. So it was tracks, actually another yeah. Vancouver company. Oh wow. A small company okay. that we had known and they focus on drinking water and wastewater compliance. So managing all the lab samples. Okay. Um so samples are taken, sent to a lab. This is the more traditional way. And the software is a software as a service. Um them in the cloud. And as samples are made available to the lab, um, they're uploaded into water tracks. It looks for contaminants. You think about like um, Flint, Michigan, or yeah. Walkerton in yeah. Canada, looking for, you know, lead, uh, bacteria, other things. Yeah. Um, so it was exciting for me to get into the cities, into the pipes, yeah. to the treatment plants. Sure. And they also manage wastewater data. And we t- we started talking a about wastewater yeah. at the beginning, how big of a problem it is. Yeah. And another company is out of Denver called Linco. And this uh, manages this company or brand. It's, again, a software company manages industrial waste. Um, so it's it's called industrial pre-treatment program. So if there's some type of industrial operation, they have to pre-treat uh, their waste before it goes into the utility source system. It's not made necessarily to handle radioactive waste or okay. heavy metals. Um, and then they also manage... Uh, something called fog it stands for fat, oil and grease. So if you've ever watched the news the last couple of years, it's pretty obscure, but, uh, things called fatbergs, like in London, did you ever hear about them in no, the news? Fat way? Fat fatbergs. So it's fat like, if Bergs. you think of all the greasy frying pans of the world, yeah. dumping that oil down the drain, well, it plugs yeah. up the sewers, which think, well, who cares, you know? Uh, but then that backs up, uh, the sewers and the raw sewage overflows onto the streets or into your basement. and is quite dangerous. Really? So um, so there's a program to make sure well, cities will have fat um, soil and grease compliance programs. We'll so go around inspecting sites, making sure that they have grease traps to make sure that doesn't get in and that okay. those are pumped out and disposed of. Okay, um, So that goes back to sort of the passion about, you know, two million kids dying per year, sewage overflows. And what we'll do a bunch of software new, nerds, what can we do about, you know, a bunch of nerdy PhD propeller head. Yeah. You know, we don't put in treatment plants. We don't put pipes in. Yeah. So uh trying to help manage this system, identify where the problems are. And you know, it's estimated the um uh that there's a 1.7 trillion dollar gap between the uh infrastructure that, that the budget that's uh or 1.7 trillion, trillion is is, re- needed? is needed to re- you know, uh, replace the aging infrastructure in North America. And only about a third Just North America. Just North America. And only about I think you were about to tell me the planet, but no, no just North just America. North America. Um and a, only about a third of that is available. So utilities have a hard time raising, you know, if you're a new mayor coming in, you're not going to triple the water bills uh, on your term because you're not going to get back in, right? Yeah. That's kind of the classic sort of, you know, um, challenge that you'll have in politics. And, uh, yeah. and so the stuff doesn't get fixed. So uh, as a bunch of nerds, our idea is, okay, well, we only have a third of the money, so we just have to do it smarter. So what they'll do now with infrastructure, they'll go into a... Uh, uh, an area and they'll like um, close down a whole city block or many blocks. And you have seen this around Vancouver and they'll do a major infrastructure project where they'll dig up the road and put in new pipe. all oh. it turns out about 75% of the pipes they pull up are still good. So if you could just go in really? and surgically replace what needs to be fixed or go in and um, do maintenance, for, uh, find out where the fatbergs are going to yeah. form and, um, Remove those problems, then perhaps you can do it at a third of the price, and that's our mission as a bunch of software nerds to try and help um, utilities run more efficiently. Um, so for a third of the cost, maybe some money from yeah. the budget they have now, they can yeah. do a better job and replace infrastructure. Okay, you know it's a little different situation um, in developing countries where they might not even have infrastructure yeah and that's certainly another challenge we'd like to help out
1: too yeah yeah wow wow what a great story and uh one of the things that caught my attention is how you said that if you hadn't had done more market research you might not get gotten, gotten this business i think if there's yeah. anything people can learn from a success story like yourself ed is you know I, I went to business school for my undergrad and they taught you about doing market research and all this kind of stuff and in my view a lot of times it's a bunch of garbage In fact, sometimes the best thing you can do is is go in with uh, just a bunch of inspiration and and, and excitement and figure it out while you're going through it, you know? Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of
0: things that make... Because sometimes people overanalyze.
1: Totally. Yeah.
0: Well, as you know, I mean, you're a business guy. You know, the stats like uh, um, less than 5% of companies make it over a million dollars in revenue. Half of them fail along the way, like in the first year so five percent and then make, to make it over 10 million is uh you know a, it's like half a percent yeah so yeah. you know the the odds of making it are really small yeah and then if you're in an industry like water it's even yeah. smaller
1: well we're going to carry on this conversation about the success you've had what your business is doing today how many employees you have you know the kind of and i want to get into some specific questions i have about things i've always wondered about water and so i'm really excited to come back with uh, ed quilty here in a minute All right, here we are back with Ed Quilty talking about water. Uh, so Ed, how many employees do you have today?
0: Uh, we've got, I think, about 120. Okay. i th- say I think, because we just acquired a company last, uh, well, we've officially announced it last week, actually. I company yeah. out of Florida. Out of Florida. It expands yeah. what we can do in, in the water segment. Uh, it's a little bit of our strategy now, since doing this, I mentioned XPV Water Partners. Yeah. Uh, part of our strategy of growth. Um, I also mentioned it's hard to grow in the water space, uh, you know, quickly. Yeah, uh, so we're we are growing at a good clip organically, but inorganically we're acquiring uh, smaller yeah. software companies that uh, complement our our um, you know coverage of the complete water cycle. So yeah. this company we bought a couple weeks ago, uh, or announced it last week actually, out of Florida. They uh, they cover something you w- I'm sure you will never have heard of. It's called uh, backflow prevention devices. Okay, <laughs> so these you'll you'll start seeing them everywhere. There's millions of these around um north america and worldwide and they have to be inspected just to regularly. make sure my
1: toilet doesn't get backed up when my yeah, yeah your whole house actually yeah. so all your okay.
0: toilets um and they're they're mostly the ones we haven't ins- that uh the software we provide is to help um utilities inspect ones that are on property private property and they'll be like um uh you know at hospitals at universities at big towers yeah. um larger buildings have these big backflow devices to make sure that if pressure drops in the main system that the water from that building doesn't flow back into the system and then go elsewhere, you could imagine it could have like, once it gets into that building that's off utility property, they have no idea what's going on in there. Right. No control. It could be lead poisoning. Yeah, sure. It could be, um, you know, a lot of contaminants. So this, um, you know, uh, helps, you know, further our, our vision for managing all water, uh, in the across the water cycle.
1: And just to be clear, your business is about managing the data and the information, interpreting it in a valuable way, and then giving feedback to your customers. You're not, you don't actually sell devices, install devices, manage those devices. We're a hundred percent software
0: company. Software. We do some really interesting projects. So we're, so our customers are the ones that will, um, you know, they use our software. They're the ones managing the data, but we allow them to more efficiently, manage that water information and then automate processes okay um a pretty cool story you know it's interesting i mentioned that i took a year off and traveled around the world yeah and, uh, and
1: you said somehow that tied into your business yeah yeah
0: so again if you're thinking you know as a as an entrepreneur you kind of think you're, you know you tend to start where you're comfortable yeah so i started in bc and um had been in the u.s a little bit this is your backpacking ex- yeah uh, venture okay so backpack adventure actually uh no that's where business starts, but backpacking oh, venture uh, me and three other guys just landed first stop was Kuta beach in Indonesia. Okay. And then we traveled around Indonesia and up into, uh, Malaysia and Thailand and, um, and then down to Australia. Um, and then later went to South America, traveled through there. So did pretty wide coverage. And if you put a map of where I traveled and that break here and where our, cu- our first customer started North America, it's like perfectly overlaps. Really? And it's kind of like. Is there a
1: reason for that? Yeah,
0: I think I was familiar with those cultures. I realized yeah. those people are just people like everyone else. They might have slightly different sort yeah. of culture or language. But, yeah. but I, they're all human
1: bodies that need to live off of... Same problems, same people,
0: really yeah, nice people everywhere, water. same challenges. So it kind of, you know, I felt like, huh, you know, I um, you know, really enjoyed being in Thailand. And that was the Thailand Royal Irrigation District is one of our customers now. Wow. But a really interesting project is called the Smart Tunnel in Malaysia. Okay. So, um, they had two two big challenges in Malaysia. One, um, before we did this project there, one is that they had heavy traffic congestion, and the other
1: is—is this in Kuala Lumpur? Yeah, in KL. Okay. Yeah, and
0: and the other one is the city used to flood eight ten times a year cause a lot of damage and disruption right, I heard about this actually yeah yeah it's a big problem and this one we do worldwide a lot of countries like brisbane or cities like brisbane and australia and others we help them with their flood information system. brisbane flood gets a lot of flooding too it does yeah mm. yeah and in fact there's a flood in uh 2010 2011 right around christmas there that caused billions of dollars worth of damage yeah um and uh so this this
1: produce- and i'm assuming this is gonna be more relevant if the truth is, I mean, it was most climate people, change. Yeah. Well, yeah. they say that sea water, sea levels are rising. Yeah, It yeah, doesn't exactly. sound like much, but you know, they say like it's going to go up by, uh, you know, 30 centimeters or something like yeah. that. I don't know. If it you live on Miami
0: cool. beach or if you're in the Maldives, or something, it's a, it's yeah. a big deal there. Yeah. There's some really challenging problems there. Yeah. Uh, cause of course people love li- living on the beach or in yeah, coastal sure, areas right yeah. where there's ports and,
1: yeah. um, so this, so this tunnel, what's it called? Smart Tunnel. Smart and Tunnel. And so okay.
0: it's interesting. This kind of covers uh, what you can do when you automate, um, you know, water information, the collection, the management of decisions. So um, there's a, a, a network of rain sensors around Kale, and then there's sensors in the river. We're used to dealing with stuff pretty normally, so we're connecting, sensors, uh, connect, connecting the sensors and, and collecting the data. Um, and we also have a, a model there that forecasts what's going to happen in the river. If a big monsoon comes in before oh yeah, in the next 24 hours, this river's coming up. In fact, in the next three hours, it's going to spill the banks and it's going to flood the city. So that's where the story really? used to end. You know, you do, okay, you'd forecast and then maybe you'd, you know, evacuate parts of the town or neighborhoods. So we do in the smart tunnel, um, is we actually, we're saying, yeah, river's going to blow. So start diverting the river into a car tunnel. So this is a 10 kilometer long car tunnel. It's got traffic going both ways. And we start flooding the tunnel. I mean, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> so there's actually cars there's in this cars tunnel? There's cars in it. And so in the bottom, if you think of like a pipe, so they've got cars going. And now on the bottom round part, we start flooding that. And, uh, and then, you know, that floodwater bypasses the city and goes down into a reservoir, no problem. But then if the river is really rising, then you drop the gates, you evacuate the tunnel, and you flood the tunnel. It, it holds a tremendous amount. If you think of a 10-kilometer-long tunnel, and so, so did you
1: guys come up with a smart tunnel?
0: We were part of the project. We do the software oh, back. We yeah. didn't obviously do the drilling yeah. and uh, we worked with a consulting firm that did yeah. a lot of the kind of putting it all together. But we're the we're the software behind it connects to the sensors and runs the model and does the forecasting and helps okay. send the commands. Has it
1: ever had to be um has there ever been a time where there's so much water that they I've had to close off the yeah. roadway. Oh, yeah. and, oh, yeah, yeah, oh really? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's, been, sure. it's been done. It's, yeah.
0: it's been used. It saved, I think their estimates are it saved about $2.5 <clears throat> billion dollars worth of damage. That's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. No, it's a cool project. And wow. in Brisbane, we've uh, got a similar project and some others. So, yeah, it's pretty diverse. Like I talked about drinking water yeah. in pipes. Um, I think about Flint, Michigan and Walkerton, Canada. Yeah. Wastewater going into the environment. Floods. Hydropower. Yeah. Uh, irrigation, you think California and Central yeah. Valley. It's such a diverse um, space. And the water obviously doesn't care about boundaries and people no. and factories. So you, you, to It takes do, the
1: past of least, path of least resistance. Yeah, that's right. Yeah.
0: And so, I mean, you have to to manage any piece well. You kind of have to have all the information. And so that's yeah. really our goal is to, ta- to tap into all that data,
1: pull make it together, make it useful. Wow. Wow, that's really cool. All right, well, let me dive in some questions yeah. that are just burning in my head right now. So... First one is, uh, as I mentioned to you before, we started filming. Um, my wife was the one who inspired me to start getting these re- reusable water bottles, and I take yeah. this around everywhere with me regi- yeah. religiously because I find that most airports around the world have filtered water. They do, and yeah. So, you know, there is kind of three benefits. One is good for environment because I am not using plastic water. You also get gouged big time once you get through security. You That's know, right. It's yeah, like seven dollars for like a half liter yeah. of water, um, and uh, and it's good to stay hydrated yeah. when you are when you're traveling um i do have a tendency to just drink as much as i don't like the taste yeah uh and i'm, I'm not no knock against these wonderful communities but like i, I find like the, the the water in calgary and yeah. Like toronto yeah it just tastes really bad i don't is it is that reason that i don't like the taste no, because i'm just used to vancouver's water and it yeah. also tastes bad. like do people that come from calgary and toronto to vancouver go man this Water tastes yeah.
0: horrible. That bitter taste is yeah. the hockey rivalry you're tasting. That's <laughs> the is. pure hate for the leafs and for the flames. It's the flames. <laughs> That's what it is, actually. No, it's interesting to say that. So, um, you talk about water bottle companies like Nestle, for example. Yeah. They'll set up regional areas because people develop a taste for their local water. Right. So it's true. If people, you know, people from Toronto come here are like, oh, that Vancouver water is terrible. Do they really? Yeah. And, or, you know, that's pretty universal. You go down, you'll find yeah. some water you will go to London, really in- chalky, England you know. Yeah. Um, you'll have really hard water, really soft water. Yeah. Chlorine is sort of a different part. that can be overly chlorinated, taste yeah. really chlorine. But, I mean, just the water itself, you forget the chlorine. Um, people develop different tastes where they grow up. Sure. So... Just because we love our water here yeah. doesn't mean it's the best tasting Are water. there any
1: places in the in the sort of big cities around the world where, like, everybody goes there and goes, man, this water is truly horrible? Well, oh, I mean, there's so many like that. I don't know. That's pretty much every city I
0: go to like, yeah. all the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the, the taste is obviously one. That's a bit more personal preference, but yeah. it's actually
1: how safe is it? Okay. And um, So there's, okay, so I told yeah. you about that uh, documentary. I don't know if you can pull it up, Ross. I think it was called Tapped phenomenal documentary yeah and they talk about how in this documentary not you know it's a, who knows how accurate yeah. is you old know uh, but it says that apparently most of the time you're safer to drink you actually statistically are safer to drink municipal water yeah it gets monitored all the time like yeah. an, as you were yeah. describing yeah. now this constant monitoring yeah then to drink like bottled water that if it comes in especially the ones that come in those big big containers that yeah. you put into the under the water oh yeah uh, cooler yeah because yeah. sometimes if those are sitting for a year yeah or half a year um in, in, the, storage, sunlight, in, in the, the sunlight in the sunlight yeah the plastic like yeah. apparently the levels of negative is that what it's called tapped yeah this yeah, is the, yeah, the trailer yeah. i don't know yeah. if you wanted to, to listen to it but no, oh, we can maybe look at it in a bit but yeah. that's uh yeah tapped. so so is that is, is municipal water i mean is it good for to drink
0: Generally, it's safe, yeah. I yeah. mean, it depends where you're in the world.
1: What, who's the top in the... Like, who are the top three, four, five countries that you know... You pretty much know, like, okay, if I go to this country, I can drink their water from any tap anywhere and I'll be probably okay.
0: Yeah, well, uh, you know, Canada, the US, uh, most places, it's certainly Western Europe, yeah. Australia, New Zealand, you know, Commonwealth countries, European. Um, and it's much wider than that.
1: Yeah. Um, are it, there any countries that are really off... Like, Like, do not... Like for example, you see that those horrible images of all those plastic bottles of water in Haiti. Yeah, and yeah. like they're they're piling up on these rivers and yeah, stuff. Yeah, it, are there certain countries like that, like Haiti, where well, you just don't want to drink? Speak the, from personal experience. Yeah, yeah, personal, um,
0: yeah. I, there's many countries I won't drink the water of the taps. Unfortunately, it's more I'll rely more on the um, the bottled water as much as I don't like to. There's lots yeah. of you know the, the like you mentioned the the plastic pollution and other potential contaminants, yeah. but generally much safer. Uh, in those countries, and that's why, of course, people when they go to Mexico, they tend to drink it. Yeah, uh, drink bottled water, and if they drink tap water, it depends. If you're in like, um, uh, um, some parts of Mexico, yeah, you'll get really sick. In other yeah. parts, it'll be just fine. And my can, in-laws
1: in the sun, in the winter, they lay, they've got a place down in Puerto Vallarta. Yeah, and apparently, Puerto Vallarta is one of two cities in in Mexico who've got some award. Yeah, where they're actually known for how clean their tap water is. And you yeah. can just basically, and yeah. they've been there yeah. for like seven years now. Yeah. All they do is drink the tap water and they've yeah. never gotten yeah. sick.
0: Yeah. Same, well, I was just in Costa Rica uh, a couple of months ago. Yeah. We drank the water. There. No right. problem. It was no problem. Yeah. Uh, so it depends on the infrastructure. Yeah. It's not only, you know, the, uh, so generally, yes, you, uh, you, uh, water that's treated from utility, they uh, almost over-treat it. Okay. So it's safe because they take a conservative approach. Yeah. But we talked earlier about infrastructure problems and this 1.7 trillion. So, you know, all the it was interesting. All the all the pipes that were installed sort of 120 years they're starting to f- 120 years ago are starting to fail now. The yeah. ones that were installed about 60 years ago are starting to fail now. The ones that are installed like 30 years ago are starting to fail now. You know, it's kind of like does things are, are made now, right? Things, things used to be made yeah, better. Giants, 100 years ago, you know, huge pipes yeah. that were you know could. Uh, Stand a nuclear bomb, basically. Yeah. You know, it's like uh, just anything they made. If you think of the yeah. way they used to make cars yeah, or exactly. anything fridges used yeah. to last forty years, now. you should they see last. like
1: black and white television. That thing is still a oh yeah. monster. Yeah. It just keeps
0: working. yeah you might want to get a yeah. new one. I got I don't six, know, but... six channels. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um So so there's this big you know infrastructure problem. So there are yeah. these pipes do fail, and about thirty percent of the water that utilities treat um depends on the city, of course, but on average goes out uh, through leaky pipes. Uh, uh, you know, into the ground, and it can be contaminated, and so they'll and lots of stuff can grow on the pipe so they have to put pretty high chlorine levels, yeah, but not too high because that, that can be carcinogenic. So it's yeah. like it's they have it, you know it's a little tricky, but they generally do a really good job, yeah. But you know, lots of parts of the world they won't have. And do
1: you, so? Do you, does your company monitor drinking water? Yeah, it do. Okay. Yeah, there's another one, Ross, uh, uh, that uh, NDP MP Charlie Angus. I know he's been a real big advocate for. Uh, there's a there's a, there's an indigenous community up north and they've got lead in their water. They've yeah. been talking, he's been talking about, and they, do you know which one I'm talking about? The community I'm talking about?
0: Um, yeah, there's a few, like yeah. in Canada, it's a massive problem. It's certainly yeah. not limited to one community. It's many right. communities. In yeah. fact, on, on our one brand water tracks, uh, we, um, one of our bigger customers is uh, uh, Indigenous Services Canada. Um, so a lot of that, uh, the water that, um uh, the federal government collects the water samples they collect goes through our system.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, no there's problems. Yeah.
1: So wh- where's awesome. this where is this maybe it was not lead, maybe it's mercury. What how do you get it how do you get mercury into your uh drinking water? Is that coming from some mine nearby or something? Or what's that
0: Yeah, I mean mercury there can be natural sources, but uh-huh. it's generally from industry. Like okay. if you think of like um silver mines and yeah. like other industries that use mercury. There was actually one in Squamish. That used uh, to pour, I forget what it was. It was like, I don't know, 100 kilograms of mercury a day into the, into the, uh, um, you know, into the uh, Squamish Bay there. That's crazy. Um, it might have been what, less 10. What, but, what,
1: for those that don't remember, because it was quite a while ago, what, what happened in Walkerton? Walkerton is in Ontario, right? Is it southwestern yeah, Ontario? I yeah, exactly. There. Yeah, what happened there?
0: Yeah, so uh, now, put me on the spot for the numbers, but basically, uh, I think it was in the range of about 100 people died and a few thousand people got sick. As from uh, E. coli, okay. and so there were um, uh, two—I believe it was two brothers—running the drinking water plant. And you can imagine, you are a small town; you wouldn't be getting the world's expert water people to run your plant. So this is a challenge for all small yeah. communities. It's hard to afford the best technologies, and it's hard to attract the best people. So they, had a, uh, you know, small town. Uh, it seems like the story was like these two guys um, probably didn't know what they're doing Um, came they uh, believe they um, uh, there's E. coli there's E. coli detected in the water and that's from people matter yeah Yeah, Uh, it can come from a variety of sources could be like just
1: chickens from a chicken farm yeah it could be human could
0: be you know a whole variety of sources I don't remember in the particular case it was you know as as you know it was quite a while ago and um, uh, yeah they ended up not reporting, I believe is what happened, that there's these issues, and, they, and the and town got very happened. sick. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, and, uh, a number of people died, and a lot of people got sick. Yeah. And
1: it was a, a pretty brutal thing. And that forever changed the Canadian yeah. water lines. It was, big, it was brought to people, I mean, people be- started thinking about more. You see do you do a lot of municipalities? Yeah. How, how many municipalities in, in Canada do you have, roughly? Uh, well, in, the, in North America,
0: so most of our business is in the U.S. Yeah, that's sure. a bigger market. See, we've got yeah.
1: about... Um, about fifteen
0: hundred utilities or municipalities. Yeah. Uh and mostly in the US. Canada's probably the range of maybe a hundred or something. Yeah. Okay. Um yeah. what
1: what's turbidity? You mentioned that earlier.
0: Yeah. So it's basically if you took a bunch of uh, soil and put it in the water and saw how it got cloudy, it's a measure of how you know dirty the water is, how cloudy it is. Yeah. Um and that's important. It's obviously for aesthetics, yeah. It's important, but it's more it can be a place for bacteria to hide. Okay. So if water's really muddy, um, you know, th- it's harder to treat with chlorine. It kind of protects the uh, the bacteria like E. coli. Yeah. And, fe- well, fecal coliforms more. Yeah.
1: I remember that word because, uh, I don't know if you remember, about four or five or six years ago, we had that huge runoff yeah. into our local waters. And, yeah. and the water, you had to ba- put the kids in the bath, you drank yeah. the water, it was like super murky. Yeah.
0: yeah, you shouldn't drink the bath water and your kids in there. That's kind of
1: gross. <laughs> Well, you know we're trying to be ultra-conservative <laughs> yeah, in our, probably, yeah, in our environmental effort, impact. Yeah. Um, And then I remember talking to, who, so who oversees water here in the city of Vancouver? Is it, um, is it Metro Vancouver? Yeah, Metro Vancouver. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember calling someone there, and they're like, re- re- reassured me, like, like listen, even though it doesn't look good, yeah, it, it's totally fine. Yeah, like, it's still be well below, sure. you know. Yeah. But you mentioned turbidity, and then you mentioned something else, uh, some other kind of terminology for this.
0: Suspended sediment?
1: No, I can't remember what it was now. But there was something, some reference to what drinking water would look like or taste like. Oh, um, hardness. Yeah, maybe hardness. Yeah, hardness. Yeah. Like
0: you can have t- uh, water in some areas can be really chalky yeah. for people, you know, like in Vancouver. But yeah. there it tastes great. Right. Yeah, you know, yeah, It's more yeah, like yeah, mineral sure. water.
1: So like, cause, uh, I, uh, like in London, England, I notice every time I go there, I stay in a hotel. I can't get the friggin' soap off my body. Like I, I go and have a shower and I put the soap on. I don't know if it's the soap or the yeah. water, but it's, yeah. I'm pretty sure I've used different <laughs> bars of soap. Yeah. And I can't, and I don't know what that, I'm assuming something's going on with the water there. Yeah, it doesn't uh, happen to me. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> Maybe I don't bit. shower enough. <laughs> yeah, that's probably it. <laughs> yeah, you should
0: shower more. You soap more.
1: So I mentioned earlier, I, I my folks, uh, my whole family lives in Victoria. Yeah. And like, it, they're well known for just dumping. Is it true they dump raw sewage out into the ocean, right? Yeah, they do
0: some treatment. Uh, yeah. I believe it's changing. Again, I we do most of our business in the U.S., so I'm, yeah. uh, I don't yeah. follow the local scene as much as I should. But I think they do, uh, you know, uh, um,
1: uh, the first or sort of level of screening, yeah, uh, and but they don't do complete uh, treatment, yeah. Like, um, can you can you walk us through what a screening like in a really good system, like maybe here in Metro Vancouver, like you said, the first level of screening, like what is that? Just is that just pulling? Well,
0: it's kind of what it sounds. So, a treatment system, and I'm not an expert. I'm like the, yeah. again, I'm a software nerd, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. More of an environmentalist, but um, you know, treatment plants. They obviously have a bunch of solid waste coming in, and it will have diapers in it and in right. and all sorts of stuff. And so they have different ways to slowly purify it. So initial screening would be get, as it sounds, all the big stuff out, yeah, you know, and then they do further further treatment through different uh, filtration process and other screening and chemical. So there's actually a variety of ways you can treat it to remove the biosolids yeah. out and purified. And, you know, it obviously costs more the further, um, you treat it so um you know and you can do you know UV screening at the end or, or treatment at the end and yeah. and then chlorination. Um and I think Victoria for years had sort of their mandate was a bit more uh the solution to pollution is dilution. Like just dump it in the ocean, it's gonna yeah. you know disappear. <laughs> it's a huge ocean. Yeah. Um yeah and they're you know it's not the solution. Yeah, no,
1: it's gotta be fixed. Someone uh someone within the provincial but got political government, provincial provincial government in, uh, in BC told me once that apparently it was someone in the municipality of Oak Bay said that there's like, there's sort of two schools of thought as to how that water should be treated. One was to have one massive facility yeah. that everything gets piped into. Yeah. But the problem is the infrastructure is extremely old. Yeah. And, the other one was to have these smaller treatment centers. Have yeah. you ever noticed in other, with all the work you've done, like what systems kind of work best? Or does it depend on the city, I guess?
0: I think it depends on the city and their infrastructure. Like I said, if you yeah. have to like build, you know, pipes around, depends on how, you know, hard that is to do. But um, most utilities will have many treatment plants yeah. rather than one central one. I think yeah. that's more, more yeah. typical.
1: Um, I've driven out through the uh, sort of industrial heartland of Canaby and Hamilton yeah. area. And, uh, like I wonder about the water out there. You know, I've never, I've never lived out there. Some wonderful people live out there yeah. and you know, they, they, obviously those big factories employ a lot of people. Yeah. But it, you know, do you have any sense of what, do you, do you do any work out there in the, that industrial belt in Hamilton where you got all these factories right on the lake?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, indirectly, yes, but not directly. Yeah. Like again, our, our, uh, you know, Environment Canada is a big customer of ours. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so a lot of different agencies will be in there, but we don't uh you know, get so involved with the different projects. We sell them the platform. Yeah. So they can process okay. the information. Um we have access to a bit more data now where we're we're actually hosting the data. Yeah. They, like I'd mentioned so, you know, we talked about Walkerton, these smaller utilities yeah. won't have, you know, the, the budget or um you know, to really have the, the world class people or technologies and so they're doing more outsourcing can also be for running the treatment plants. There's a lot of big private companies like Veolia and Suez that'll, and Aquamerica and others that will manage these smaller utilities and they'll manage hundreds or thousands of them. Yeah, So they can more centralize the expertise. Um, And uh, that's happening on the the digitization side too. So that's what we're really doing. We're trying to modernize these utilities where a lot of this information is kept on paper, if you think in Walkerton. Yeah. You help digitize that and you can send notifications out to multiple people and automate. Yeah. Um, and so that's, yeah. a lot of that's moving more to being uh, hosted by a vendor too, like where we can manage that their their information in the cloud. Yeah. It's, you know, more secure if they might not even have an IT department. Yeah. That's a bit of a trend.
1: Okay. You're, you're collecting all this data and you're probably seeing there's just a vast number of customers you have. Pick a sector, whether it's clean drinking water, wastewater treatment or monitoring of, water used for industrial purposes. Um, do you ever get asked or do you work as like almost a consultant? So like you see, for example, in Kuala Lumpur, yeah. this, you know, smart tunnel system. Yeah. And then you turn around and you talk to your customers in Copenhagen, Denmark, yeah. and yeah. they, you know, you kind of share these ideas or share like the data you get. Are you able to kind of like turn around to some customers and say, you know, you should really install these sensors in your system, because we've got four other communities that are yeah. doing the same as, that are doing what you're not doing. Yeah. And here's what's happened as a result. Yeah. And they've set money they've saved or the, you yeah. know, let, less people getting sick, that kind of thing.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, that's certainly an advantage, right? If you're a a little town um, and your only real expertise is that town, your, your experience is limited to that town where if we've got thousands, so yeah. obviously we can start drawing
1: conclusions, connecting the dots. Um, I mean, I got to think over time, it just makes you as a company yeah. a lot more competitive. Yeah. In the you allow,
0: allow them to benchmark what they're doing against yeah. others and move towards back practices. So that's, yeah. a, that's, we can start building that into the software. In some cases we're already doing that. I, I mentioned uh, this one company we bought just this past month out of Florida called yeah. Toke Software. So they help provide um, uh, the software for these uh, uh, backflow prevention or cross connection devices but while they're doing that, they really help them set up these programs to use best practices. Like, how would you set up the system? How would you plan out your sampling, how often to collect? So, as part of the the software platform, allows them to automate and digitize. Also, best practices you across you know you know hundreds or thousands of utilities. Yeah. So that's another way we can definitely help. Okay.
1: Are there any uh, municipalities in North America that you would say you know they are a phenomenal example of how a you know, how, how you should manage your water systems. Like, and then you go, wow, these guys really dialed in and it's not just because they got a bunch of money, but maybe they're being smart with the way they do it.
0: Well, there's certainly some utilities that are, um, really innovative. Yeah. Um, like who? Well, like DC water is, uh, uh, Washington DC. Yeah. Um, I know the former, um, general manager, George Hawkins, uh, they are so innovative working with private industry, um, pushing the envelope, uh, taking risks, but within sort of safe, um, you know, uh, a bit of a safety net. They they really push it and they run a really well-respected utility um, that provide high quality end product, drinking water and yeah. wastewater services at, you know, at a, at a at a good price. Now they went through a lot of challenges, like they did raise the rates, um, but they did a lot of marketing to the community, explaining why. Because, you know, a lot of people don't think about water. Yeah, I'll be at like a cocktail party, you know, the classic and, People ask me what i do and like that's a thing <laughs> that's why would anybody do that like no one thinks they just turn on turn the tap and water pours yeah. out right they're flush the toilet and it's gone yeah yeah no one thinks about it so yeah. um to educate the public yeah yeah you need to educate the public and then you can start being more innovative i think
1: do you have any uh do you have any concerns about uh where our planet is going as far as like the access to clean water for human population
0: Yeah, it's a massive problem. It's only
1: getting worse. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, you know... uh, Is it because the supply is running out or because we're not treating it properly or it's not being recycled or what's the... Well, we have many
0: forces coming at us, right? So we have population growth. Yes. You have um, developing countries that, as we know, they used to use less energy, used to waste less water and food and they're all want to f-
1: live the yeah they treaded the lighter on the earth because yeah. they didn't have anything yeah they didn't really do anything yeah especially the rural just you know so exact so okay. there
0: it's just you know there's as people are um moving into the middle class and up we're creating more garbage more plastic yeah. more pollution um and that's not really turning around and you look yeah. at um uh with climate change uh that's It's very hard for politicians to do much about it, right? Yeah. Like, we need to slam the brakes on now, but people just aren't going to do it, right? Yeah. There's very few countries or politicians are brave enough to really take a hard stand. Yeah. Because they probably won't get voted in again,
1: right? Right. We we see it. There's lots of examples right now where people will choose economy over. um, You need a guy like Donald Trump who doesn't give a shit, but is actually a decent person. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Yeah. He he cared about the climate. Yeah. In the sense that he doesn't give a shit <laughs> yeah. what people think yeah. but he also doesn't because of that he doesn't give a shit about yeah, the anything. environment yeah, yeah. it's like it's, yeah. it's not, if it's not towards profits or for his own yeah. personal gain he had someone that just yeah. took
0: a hard stance it tr- certainly would be helpful and there is a few countries that are working hard on this but it kind of like one drops out that everyone's like well we can't economically suffer yeah. if the year could take advantage and so yeah. it's a it's it's a tough situation but it's getting it's getting worse climate change is also making um, you know, it, it more challenging because it's like yeah. if you think of even BC here, I'm sure you've noticed most people are noticing uh, the summer's a lot longer and drier. We're starting yeah. to get water restrictions, yeah. and we're getting often getting the same amount of precipitation, but it's just compressed into a really shorter period. So we get really wet, yeah, uh, winter. So that most of that runs off into the ocean, yeah, um, and then long summers, and so then we, we drain through our yeah. you know, storage. So that's you know, and it, it varies where you're in the world, you know, it's different in the tropics versus yeah. other areas, but. So climate change is putting a lot of pressure. It's changing. So the infrastructure that uh, the utilities put in or municipalities, you know, 50 years ago, or 100 years ago, were designed for a different climate. You know, I've heard some, I've I even heard, uh I saw a report maybe last year or something that they're particularly like here in Vancouver that eventually, like not that far out, maybe 30 years out, our climate will be like San Diego here. Really? And so we haven't designed this city to be, you know, um, you know, like, san diego weather i don't know if
1: that's true or not
0: you know yeah reddit this is why
1: i always say don't invest in 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 any business that's investing in the ski hills exactly (laughs) unless they're way far north yeah yeah, exactly (laughs) um yeah, okay. even then so yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's wow. a it's a it's a big problem. Yeah, so Isn't there some talk about uh, Las Vegas running out of water at some point in the next twenty years or something?
0: Well, in South Africa, you probably heard about uh, you know day zero where they were right running it, out of water this uh, past year.
1: Johannesburg or something was it uh, Yo- yeah. Johannesburg? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: And lots of say, Atlanta was facing it a number of years ago. This is just yeah. going to be a common thing more and more. Yeah. Where the cities were not designed, they got population growing. They yeah. structure was designed for a smaller city with a different climate. Yeah, so it's it's a big problem.
1: Yeah, wow. Okay, we're going to come back in a minute with Ed uh, Quilty. And I want to ask you a bunch of more questions of just things that are going off in my head now about all this stuff. Because you're right, you know, on on a day-to-day basis, you don't really think about your water consumption or water usage. But now I'm going, I'm thinking, man, what about this and what about that? So we'll we'll take a quick break and we'll come back and wrap it up with a few of these uh, questions. Sounds good. Thanks, Ed. Great, okay, we're back with Ed Quilty. I'm going to wrap it up here with a bunch of questions that are going on my mind so uh microbeads what are your thoughts on that i don't know if do we have microbeads in north america still like and what what are they you know how do, is it in our system do your sensors collect that kind of information
0: uh yeah so i mean plastics when they break down which they do under uv and you know, other they you know turn into micro uh, particles and that stuff just floats on the top you know sure it's in fresh water it's in lakes if you think of the great lakes and those but um uh, you know, it's a big problem in the oceans and then it gets consumed as food. Cause you have these like, you know, uh, zooplankton and other marine species that'll eat them and then larger fish eat them and birds eat them. And so it goes through the ecosystem and then they'll, uh, at times they'll starve because they feel full, but they're full of plastic that they can't digest. Crazy, Ma- Massive problem. So yeah. it's getting a lot of public attention, obviously, um, you know, for, uh, Finding ways to reduce plastic uh, yeah. waste
1: and packaging and straws I, and everything, you know. I had I had heard that they actually had microbeads in toothpaste. Can you look that up, Ross, to see if they? Did? I'm pretty sure there was like this uh, Greenpeace type group out of Canada who was like trying to advocate that Health Canada um, re- regulate toothpaste and. Insur- I'm, maybe I'm going way off. And-
0: Could be some kind of abrasive for the teeth. I'm not a yeah. microbead no, expert, no, but yeah, I'm, yeah. Uh, I think you that's know, what it was. It was to opinions. help
1: help kind of like. You know, get get the toothpaste working better on the enamel yeah. of your teeth. I'm it's kind sure. of like
0: a scrub, like where you do those spa scrubs where they have yeah. sand, you know, yeah. sand or whatever. Is yeah.
1: There. You got some there, Ross? Yeah, it seems to be kind of a popular topic. So, I mean, Procter & Gamble here says that they're actually safe. That they're safe. Yeah, so they might intentionally put them in, there, in their toothpaste. Yeah. yeah, I think there's been a lot of talk about get getting rid of microbeads from toothpaste. Um, okay. And what other things, uh, are in our waters that you get monitoring data from that are like human, human created that you're like, Oh wow. Really? Yeah.
0: Um, well, you know, again, going back to young kids, uh, pesticides is something that I, uh, right. I, you know, care about a lot. In fact, so yeah. much I, I, uh, joined as a board member in a local company. That's an amazing company, um, called Samuel's Bio, where they help prevent, uh, avoid the use of pesticides use, uh natural sources using IoT and big data. Yeah. Using machine learning to actually identify pests when they come in, then use this natural pheromone that attracts insects so you don't need to spray pesticide. Oh wow. Amazing company, growing very fast here in Vancouver. Yeah. But um yeah, pesticides get into yeah. the water. Um
1: see uh, I, I'm glad to hear that because I have a lot of a lot of my people that I know, like friends of mine, even a couple of family members who know have been passionate about, you know, or like local and organic agriculture and food. Yeah like food systems, and I'm, I've been buying organic since it basically became a thing. It's been, what, 15? And people will say, oh, well, there's no proof that organic is more healthy for you than conventional. I've always made the claim that, you know what, at the end of my life, maybe it's not, but yeah. I got to think that there's something really negative about the plantations that are growing bananas, for example. Yeah. Like, I'm willing to yeah. pay the extra 20 cents yeah. per pound for organic yeah, bananas versus versus the, the conventional because there are p- families with young children— many of whom are out in those plantations picking those things that are going to be exposed to those. Yeah. Whether it's in the air or it's in the water system. Yeah.
0: I think there is mounting evidence that it's a it's a big problem. I've seen studies yeah. all the time now. Yeah. Uh, showing how big a problem pesticides are. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's, you think, all the waste, all the industry, uh, yeah. so many things getting into our water. Yeah. And then we end up drinking. What,
1: what about, do you guys ever do any, like, so there's, I was thinking, I mentioned earlier about... Uh, the Mount Polly mine that was owned by Imperial metals here in BC. And they have a, when they, when they mine, they have what's called a uh, uh, tailing pond pond and it, and it broke. And this thing was leaching out all sorts of nasty stuff. Do you guys monitor the, the water around those areas or do you, how does, do you guys ever get involved in these kind of events?
0: Yeah. So certainly our customers do again, we're Uh. a software platform and we've got thousands of customers around the world using it to monitor things exactly like that. So looking at the, the flows above and below, um, they can look at levels in the uh, tailings ponds, yeah. um, flows in and out, they can look at the water quality, they can look at the permitting requirements around the river, are they meeting the per- permitting yeah. requirements once Do you the happened. Pull-
1: happens. An event like that, which is kind of an unexpected event, you ever get pulled in last minute uh, say, hey, we're going to start monitoring this water right away, we got to put some sensors in right away and start collecting data on how bad it's going to be uh not really because nope. they
0: would because we don't build sensors we just sell the software so they'll yeah. expand the system install new sites or collect yeah. more data and that'll go through our system yeah but our system kind of scales automatically it's, right uh, we don't usually get pulled into the specifics
1: yeah uh, yeah is artificial intelligence something that's on the horizon in the data analysis that you're doing or is it already part of your business
0: oh yeah i mean it's amazing i mean if, if, uh, i go to this event in uh in August every year called Singularity in San Francisco, an amazing event, a lot of machine learning, some of the, you know, looking at the predictions of like self-driving cars yeah. and uh, forecasts are, uh, things are happening much faster than any of the sort of the, the government forecasts. But in our space, it's really, it's, it's, I believe it's prime for machine learning. You know, I talked about how there's um, a real uh, specialized expertise required to run these uh to keep us safe to run these treatment plants, drinking water and wastewater to manage all environmental data um and so much data coming in going back to how i you know started my career overwhelmed with data trying to automate that and machine learning is perfect for that for connecting the dots and if you have a lot of data set from different cities you can start yeah you know uh connecting dots predicting trends automating um you know uh predictions of what are going to happen, telling the crews where they should go. You basically take all the data utility has. We're doing some pilots right now um, where you look at all their, uh, you know, uh, asset management, all their pipes, all their pumps, all their treatments, uh, stations, all the climate data, rain, river, groundwater, all the information in the the city, labs, pull that together and just let the machine learning spin to look for interesting trends. It's super amazing. And are you,
1: are you able to look at that work you're doing now, bring it back to your customers and actually see how customers are able to either cut costs or do better job of managing their, their water?
0: Yeah, so both is okay. the hope. So that's the pilots we're running are really looking at um, one of them, we've got four going right now, but one of them is looking a bit of a new passion of mine, sewage. Yep. which I would have never thought would yeah. be a real hey, passion That of takes mine. you back to you know, pump,
1: pumping fish poop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I the think, you're it's right. I like think <laughs> that's where it came yeah, from. Yeah.
0: Um, and so we're looking at, uh, like I said, there's trillions of gallons of sewage just in North America yeah. pouring out to the environment through overflows, and a yeah. storm will hit a city, and the city's not This built. is part of that
1: stat you gave us that yeah. 70% of the world's water goes completely untreated. Yeah, 80%. Yeah. Or 80%. Yeah. yeah,
0: and and so you'll have a city that will just be overwhelmed by a storm, or they have a failed infrastructure, a pipe gets blocked, or a pump fails, that's pumping the sewage around, and it flows out, and then people get sick, um, or the environment, you know, is, is polluted. And so using machine learning to collect all this data, and trying to predict where these things are going, they're, they're quite hard to predict. So this could be as simple as like someone throws those, you know, uh, flushable wipes they're not flushable. They just, they, they'll go down your toilet, but they'll block the sewage and then they'll call back, uh, you know, uh, uh, a blockage that'll overflow. And there's lots of other things that a pipe could collapse, like I said. So yeah. we're trying to use machine learning to predict likelihood of failure events, when pumps will go down, when pipes will fail, when trees will grow into an, uh, into the pipes, the tree roots and, and wow. break the pipes and trying to look at those type of uh, things so that you know, I started said there's you know 1.7 trillion required investment for infrastructure in, in North America, and only a third is available. With machine learning, I think we can be really efficient and hopefully do it for a third. So we can make those investments, do very surgical replacement of pipes, yeah, surgical management. Uh, so sending crews out to very specific places at the right time, yeah, replace rather than just. Doing it the old way is not working. Yeah. So Yeah, machine learning and there's lots. of You other sound to me like
1: the radiologist of the doctor fields, where you know their job is to kind of now go in, analyze a a human body. Yeah. And instead of like you know if someone needs a bypass surgery, you're going to be able to dial in exactly where you're yeah. going to go before you even cut right. the patient open. Yeah. Because you mentioned earlier that some of the pipes that get, what was it seventy percent seventy five percent they get pulled still up. Them, yeah. There's still life in them. Yeah. And so hopefully, okay, that's really that's yeah. interesting. And there's a
0: bunch of other applications we're looking at too, but it's, it's such an exciting area. It's just so much data. Yeah. And most of it has been in silos untouched. Like less than 1%, it's about half a percent of all data has uh, even been used for anything. Yeah. So we've collected more data in the last two years than all of history. Uh, really? About 90% of utilities, I think it's about 88% of utilities, don't have a data management system that really manages data properly. Wow. And only half a percent of data has even been used. And so, of course, we're not doing the things, uh, managing the systems as best we could.
1: Yeah, wow, that's amazing. You're you're clearly an entrepreneur, despite you kind of uh, you know saying why well, I, I was just a biologist is very obvious. Um, and you suggested you could give some recommendations. I mean, you've you've only I'm, I I mean I like to think I'm young. You're you and I are about the same age, so you still got lots of ahead in your future. But up to this point, what are some of the things that you think? got you to this level of success?
0: Um, yeah, grittiness, I think is big. I mean, I I was like a lot of, you know, entrepreneurs, like I came from an Irish immigrant family an immigrant story. Um, that gives you the ability to, you know, take risks. I think you do know that risks aren't really that big. We've got a pretty nice safety net here in Canada in particular. So you can take some risks and you're going to be fine. Um, grittiness. Like I, like I said, when I started the company, I didn't really, uh, I didn't do a big market research. I just saw, uh, Uh, a problem I was passionate about, and I was hell-bent to do something about it. Yeah, And it was just greediness, I think, of all the challenges we've had along, as a company, any company, Yeah, um, you have to go through all these valleys of death. You know, it's like the (laughs) the first startup where, you know, uh, 95% don't make it over a million. 50% die, and only 5% make it over a million. And then it's like, you know, half a percent make it to sort of 10 million. So there's all these, everything's against you. So I think the grittiness is really important, and then you know, team. Uh, I you know, people say, "Well, you guys are a tech company, right? big data, IOT, machine learning." We're we're a people company. Yeah. So I think one of the things I worked hard at was uh, um, trying to find the right people and a really good you know process for growing them, and you know, getting good coaching and training and a yeah. lot of continuous learning. I go to MIT every year yeah. for school. I'm actually hit, flying off tomorrow. Okay. Um, and that's a, a big part of our company is we want everyone to be best yeah. in the world, and they don't have to start out that way.
1: What kind of things do you do to support your your employees? Yeah, we've
0: yeah. got an interesting thing because we're—I don't know if you've heard—we're uh, heard about uh, B Corp certification. Yeah. So we're a B Corp, which very is very like, familiar with that. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, cool. We're doing a lot
1: of work on that right now. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's
0: like certified organic. It's doing yeah. business for the purpose of good. So we're a B Corp. Um, oh, you've already got it now. Yeah, yeah. We've—I uh, think we're on our third research. Now and it's a pretty high bar, as you know, to get. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we were lucky because that's sort of our culture. So we have this internal one of our core values, is we call it, three P's: planet, people, prosperity. So when faced with decisions, we try and balance them. You know, there's sort of three. We yeah. try and balance. It's not all about profits. In fact, we don't yeah. call it profit as you know prosperity. Yeah, people, our people, our customers, staff. You know, planet, environmental side. So we try and manage those. So some of the things we do for, um, you know, people's, we've got like a training budget. We, some of what people want to get trained on, help them support their career yeah. and advancement. We give people two paid days off uh, per year to go out and volunteer yeah. in the local community or environmental. Yeah. Um, yeah, we donate software to, you know, not for profits yeah. and other, other groups and, um, yeah, it's just kind of who we are.
1: Yeah. Well, that's great, Ed. And I think it's really inspiring. I also think it's really neat because you're a dad of two young kids, and the work you do uh, is going to be something I think you'll be able to reflect back on you know, hopefully twenty, thirty years from now, and be proud of what you've done to help. Because I do agree with with you about the environment. It's it's uh, it's a very important topic that we need to continue to address. There's no denial in my view. If you're denying it, you're being ignorant. Yeah. Um. And we gotta find ways to maybe not reverse this trend, but uh, at least try and you know make slow it down
0: yeah no i totally yeah. agree it's funny if uh if a doctor comes in and gives you bad news you're gonna believe him because if he's got he's a doctor and he's got lots of experience he's got the data he's got yeah. all the scans and blood work and everything you know 99 percent of the world scientists come and tell you the same thing You're like no i don't believe in climate change yeah you know i would like to my my, my hope would be you could leave the in a better place for my kids, that yeah. would be uh, the ultimate success for me. Yeah, obviously, the the, the decks are stacked against us, but yeah. you know, I think through really technology and innovation, there's a lot of great stories happening out there, but there's also, yeah. like I said, a lot of ignorance that we're yeah. you kind know, of battling. So it's hard, but hard is fun. I like, yeah. I like hard. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to believe we can leave it in a better place for our kids. I'd yeah. love that,
1: yeah. Reminds me of the line from uh, A League of Their Own with uh, Tom Hanks and Gina Davis. As Gina Davis was crying, you remember that show? Yeah, that movie yep. from years ago. And she starts crying, and yeah. he's like, "Why are you crying? There's no crying in baseball." <laughs> yeah, exactly. And she <laughs> says, "Well, it's just too hard." And he's like, "It's supposed to be hard. It's the hard that makes it good." Yeah. If it wasn't hard. Everybody do it. Yeah. 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 I totally agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a couple more questions before we wrap it up because I just there just one items that are on the top of my mind now as we have been going through this um did i ask you about your view on plastic bottles and bottled water um, no no yeah. do you have a view um, on that
0: yeah i mean like I said, i've traveled lots of places in the world where the water is unsafe so there yeah. is a uh a place where it you know uh, a time place where it is i yeah. think for me the only option but if uh most cities i'll drink tap yeah. water
1: do you drink your tap water here in vancouver oh yeah yeah, yeah. for sure do you ever buy what bottle of water here uh,
0: no we drink tap water we've yeah. got a we've got a, fil- a filter in our fridge that yeah. I change pretty um religiously but uh oh, okay you so know, you have a filter
1: so so do you what the, those companies like bretta do you do you, you do that like, no what,
0: we just i just replace the filter it's more for taste it's a charcoal okay. filter
1: in, oh, our, in our fridge yeah um where did you grow salmon arm and salmon arm is yeah. the water taste different there out of the tap than here
0: a little it a different everywhere, right? Yeah. A little different everywhere. Um, there are a lot of places where I go, like same thing a Lennon. It can be something like I'm heading to Boston tomorrow yeah. morning. I yeah. know I don't like the tap water there. I'll turn it I don't even want to brush my teeth with it. But you know You will.
1: You will. We, what, where do we get our water from here in Vancouver? It, you live in in West Van. Yeah. And I live over near UBC. Yeah. Are we drinking the same water? Yeah. We are.
0: Where is it from? Yeah. Um well generally it's from the same area. There's three reservoirs there. Okay. And where are they? Uh, on the north shore like okay. they're all like uh you know capilano and and seymour you've probably up there yeah. like um, yeah
1: you kind of see it when you're going uh up the gondola or down the gondola yeah gross, exactly gross mountain yeah then. exactly
0: okay. yeah. so those are our reservoirs uh they're protected they're in a the parquet we're pretty uh lucky and then those water sources most of the lower mainland not in the valley they actually use a um, uh, norrish creek out sort of in the yeah um maple ridge area but uh and then within the city, some areas will get more of one reservoir than the other. They'll do some blending, I believe. Yeah. But uh, generally, we it's from the North Shore Mountains. All of us, okay. so we're is really there,
1: lucky. Is there fluoride in our water?
0: Um, good question. I believe they do that. That's something's that been pretty standard in Canada yeah. for a long time. Do your yeah.
1: mo- do you guys monitor that? Is that can one be of yeah anything anything. Yeah. Uh, what are your view on views on having fluoride? I know my wife; she's a dentist, so she's yeah. a big pro on that. Yeah. But what are your thoughts on fluoride in the water system?
0: Yeah, I'm not very uh, um, informed on it, but I'm yeah. I'm kind of the same. I've I've been supportive for the the teeth side, but I don't. I know there's uh, um, you know some views that it's not a good thing to add, but I don't have a strong. I'm actually I've been fine with it. Yeah, but yeah,
1: uh, yeah. are there any uh, major cities? That you would go to in this planet, that you uh, that you would drink the water that is not in—it's like, called North America or West, like any in like Asia or South America oh, yeah. or Africa—that you would go. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm good with drinking their water.
0: I'd probably do a bit of research getting there. But like I said, it was in
1: Costa Rica. Yeah. That's kind of an Oh, you mentioned that. Most yeah, of
0: Latin America, I probably wouldn't drink the water. Yeah. yeah. Uh, including down through South America, I've been through.
1: Do you have your own little water testing device when you go into hotels beforehand? No, I should. <laughs> I,
0: I'm getting there. I would definitely like to. That'd
1: be pretty cool, actually. You could yeah. sell that on uh, the home shopping channel if that were eBay or yeah. Amazon. Well, there right
0: are there. Uh, uh, sensors coming out now for doing, um, you know, uh uh, residential, residential? Yeah. yeah that are pretty cool pretty sophisticated stuff i'll definitely get those as those yeah
1: on. yeah that's cool was not it wasn't there i also heard about something in, in in i think it was in india there's like this new simple way for people to clean their water at sort like at uh final like little mm-hmm. where so they're getting dirty water like tap water i'm called dirty but they yeah. get tap water it's not sure. Yep. Certain- and they don't have to boil it. They use. They run it through some kind of filter. Those kind of things exist? Yeah.
0: So actually, a really effective way, uh, not completely effective, but quite effective, is using sand. So sand filtration, even lower mainland here, they'll put our water through. They'll put these. Just um, regular sand? Yeah. It'll be like a, whatever, 20 feet deep, um, you know, six meter deep of sand. And that is a very good way of purifying uh, water. And so that's that may be what you're talking about. Yeah. There's also an interesting one. Um. They take, uh, filters from, uh, renal units in, in hospitals, purify them and, uh, and then use them. Uh, there's a couple, there's a couple of companies that do this and they'll take it to developing countries, use these really high quality filters that are disposed of. Uh, They had blood in them before, but they get them cleaned out and then use them for, for local villages in Africa and India and and others. It's, it's pretty cool. I don't think it's widely used yet, but I've, uh. I've seen that come. So there, there are options like that, too. Yeah, yeah. Right. They're not the traditional ways, really.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, Ed, this has been phenomenal. I'm really glad you came in. I'm hoping you have lots of success in the future with your business. I'm sure you will. Yeah, thanks. And maybe we we'll have you come back like a year from now and tell us about all the other cool status that you're collecting over the next yeah, year. Yeah, I'd be happy to. You said, fun. you said in the last two years, you collected more data in the last two years than you ever have in... Well, yeah.
0: worldwide we've collected more data than ever. But the last two years, so our, our company's growing fast. We've acquired three companies. Yeah. We're managing more data water data, we believe, than any other company in the world. Yeah. We're a little Vancouver company. Wow. Good We're trying for you. to get bigger.
1: That's awesome, man. Yeah. Well, congratulations and thanks for coming in. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Ed. All right, thanks. Appreciate it, bud. Yeah. yeah.